Hey, this is Rich Wilkerson. I'm the pastor of Voo Church in Miami, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out today. I hope it encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. The premise of the talks, studying the book of 1 Peter, is just this idea that life is not always about conquering. Often it's just simply about enduring. I think the older I get, by the way, like I'm more attracted to people and I'm more fascinated with people, not that I've accomplished so much, but rather who have just stayed on the consistent, persistent path of becoming, that have endured. It's cool when someone posts their five-year wedding anniversary. Shout out to all of you that have been married for five years. But come on, how many of you, there's something a little bit different when someone celebrates 50 years of marriage. Just something about, man, we, we, we went through some pain together. We went through some struggles together. We endured and Really, that's what Peter is writing to. He's writing to an audience and he's challenging them and he's encouraging them to endure. You know, I had one of those kind of weeks this past week. I don't know if you've ever had one of those kind of weeks that it's it's so bad that you just have to laugh. Anyone ever ever, have a day like that where it's like, dude, this day is such a struggle. All you really can do is laugh at this day. Anyone ever have a day like that? Come on, just wave at me. Maybe a week like that. Oh, come on, month like that. A year like that, um, 2020 in a nutshell. Sometimes you just gotta step back. You just, you just gotta laugh. Um, and my struggle isn't you know, that big of a deal, but it was one of those kind of weeks where you're like, what is happening? I, I've been bringing you updates and I know it's, at this point, it's like, it's just too much. I've been bringing you updates about the challenges of my house. Uh, most of these updates have been around our rodent problem. I'm gonna spare you those details. If you're just joining us for the first time, you're like, rodent problem? Yeah, it's a whole situation. Some of you are like, bro, bro, when are you just gonna move out of that house? I don't know, I feel, like, I feel like Pharaoh and I'm unwilling to let it go, you know? I don't know how many more plagues I'm gonna need, but, but, but this story doesn't have anything to do with, uh, with rodents. Instead though, this has been, it's been a challenging week for the Wilkerson's. Uh, my wife and I, we, we, we went out of town, both had separate commitments that we had to be at. I was in New York and she had to be in Springfield, Missouri. And this was like one of the first times that we were gonna be gone for more than one day in 2020 away from both of our sons. And so all the parents out there know that if you're both gonna be out of town, it's a whole prep situation. You gotta plan, you gotta get schedules, you gotta lay out vitamins. You gotta get completely ahead of the game. And so we were a little nervous flying out of town and we were gonna be gone for three nights. And uh, after the first night, I I get a text message the morning after uh, the night that we've been away. And I wake up to... I wake up to these pictures on my phone from my brother-in-law, David D., and he sends me images of what I think when I first see it is like, I, I honestly thought someone tried to bomb my house. That, that is, that's no exaggeration. That's the level of the image I looked at. What it was was a hole in our ceiling, and I'm talking about debris everywhere. I'm like, what on earth happened, bro? He said, man, I was laying in my bed and out of nowhere, the entire ceiling came caving in and it exploded all over the room. I was like, this is not real life. He said, here's the deal. There's so much debris in the house right now that man, the dust in this house, our oldest son, Wyatt has asthma. He's like, I don't think the kids can stay here. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. I'm away night one and now I'm moving. My my family has to do like the exodus. They actually have to leave the house without their mother and father. So I have to call a friend. I have to get my kids to stay somewhere else because we have to repair and clean up the debris. It's just a whole debacle. 
But it gets worse, friends. I finally get home, we get the ceiling repaired, but then it's just like a week from, I don't know where it came from, but it didn't feel like it came from God. Uh, the power went out. With the power going out, we had an alarm that was going off for like three hours straight. Dee, 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 dee. It's like, is this real? You know, uh, yesterday the AC froze. It was 88 degrees in my house. I'm like, what is the Lord speaking to me? And then you can't make this up, friends. This is this is a true story. This is a true story. I'm laying. This is all in one week. I'm laying in bed with Don Cherie. Shut up. I'm laying in bed with Don Cherie, and out of nowhere, our entire bed just caves in. My bed broke. We are laying there in the sunken in mattress. We're like, like, is this real life? What is going on? How many know when it rains, it pours, baby? I thought today I would would use that as an illustration because I want to talk to you today from this thought how to suffer well. (laughs) Now listen, I I know my my challenges are not real suffering, but I think it plays as a good illustration that that life comes at us. And when you define the word suffer, the word suffer means any unpleasant hardship that you experience. I just think it's important that we all note in this life that we will face suffering suffering. In fact, even right now, as I'm coming to you, so many different people watching this content, so many different people. I don't know if you're listening on podcasts right now. I don't know if you're watching this on playback on YouTube. Maybe you're live in the Zoom right now. But if you could describe your situation, you would say, I feel like I'm suffering. And suffering comes on on so many different levels, right? Just any unpleasant hardship that you are experiencing. Maybe right now you're suffering in your marriage. Man, this year has put pressure on marriages and couples dealing with a pandemic, trying to figure out where your kids are going to school, working from home. All of these things create pressure and and suffering. Maybe you have got relationships suffering with a friend or a loved one that this year has created so many opportunities for polarizing things to be discussed that right now there's such disagreement that lines have been crossed and it seems like there's disrespect that's occurred and so you're, you're trying to walk through the suffering. Maybe you're dealing with financial suffering. Maybe it's, it's the pressure of what you've lost that your business has, has lost or your business has gone down or maybe you lost your job or maybe you were furloughed or maybe an entire industry that you've given most of your life to doesn't even exist anymore. Maybe you've suffered physically. Maybe it's in your body. Maybe you've, you've lost someone to COVID. Maybe you've gotten sick. Maybe you have a bad doctor's report right now that you're going, man, I'm suffering. Maybe you have pain in your body that you wake up with every single day and you just have to deal with it. We all suffer on different levels. Maybe today you're suffering in silence. You know, the collateral damage of this year has been that mental health has so been hit. Depression is on the rise. Anxiety is on the rise. Suicide is on the rise. And you go through life every single day but you're suffering in silence. I remember one time I was reading the story of Jim Baker. Jim Baker was a very prominent preacher in the 80s and the 90s. And through a whole series of events, he ended up losing everything. He actually ended up going to prison. And he wrote his biography and he called it 
I was wrong. And it just describes his entire situation. But he used this illustration that has never left me. He said, when I was going through the challenges that I was facing, as I was making mistakes, as I was carrying shame, as I had found myself in problems, he said, I just felt like I couldn't tell anybody. He said, one night I went to bed and I had a fish tank in my house. And that night as I went to sleep, when I, when I woke up the next day, I discovered all of the fish in the tank had died. He had to call someone to discover what had taken place. And what had happened was, was that the heat in the fish tank had gone up, yet nobody knew. He said, when the person came to fix the aquarium, it was such an illustration for my personal life because so often that's what's happening is that heat is rising. And he thought, I wonder if any of the fish ever tried to cry out for help, but I never heard them. I wonder if that's where you're at today. I wonder if you're going, help, help. But as you're shouting out for help, there's no one who's coming to your rescue. Maybe you're suffering in silence. Here's the truth today. Suffering is unavoidable, but enduring is achievable. That is the hope that we have today as we jump into what it is that Peter is gonna describe for us. See, I I wanna encourage you, and I'm being silly, but I want you to see it. Just because my exterior life was breaking apart this week doesn't mean that my interior life has to collapse. This is a word for somebody. (laughs) See, just because my ceiling caved in doesn't mean that my marriage has to cave in. Just because my bed broke doesn't mean that my joy has to break. Just because the power went off in the house doesn't mean that the power to my faith has to turn off. Enduring is is achievable. You will face suffering on some level to some degree, but you can endure. It reminds me of the story that Jesus told in Matthew chapter seven. You know the story. Jesus tells a story about a wise man and a foolish man. I've used it many times, but Jesus said a wise man built his house on the rock and a foolish man built his house on the sand. And when the storm came or when the suffering came or when the pressure from the outside came, the wise man's house stood strong while the foolish man's house fell apart. Wisdom does not prevent suffering. Wisdom does not prevent storms. However, the entire story is predicated on one simple fact. Are you wise or are you foolish? How do you know which one you are? It simply comes down to the foundation you choose to build on. That a wise person chooses to build on solid rock that withstands the storm, but a foolish person builds their house on sand, which always crumbles in the storm. What does the solid rock represent? The solid rock represents the name of Jesus Christ. And I've been saying it throughout this collection. Let me say it again. Jesus works. Jesus is the only thing worth building your life upon. He is solid rock that when suffering comes, you can endure. And when Jesus told the story, he's not talking about a physical house. He's talking about your life. And what is it that he says about your life? He wants you to get a picture that as exterior pressure comes, the question is, what is your life built on? What is the foundation? I mean, foundations are something that you can't see. This is how our interior life works. How are we strengthening our interior life? How are we continuing to build upon Jesus? 
that idea of building upon Jesus can become so complex. And like, what does that look like? I believe in many ways today, that's what Peter is after. Peter wants to be very practical and he wants to prescribe to you how you can endure through suffering by building a life on Jesus and what that actually looks like. First Peter chapter three, verse eight, we're picking up kind of where we left off uh, really last week, but Peter is now saying, finally, and you're gonna go and finally, finally what? Well, remember, we've been talking week in and week out. Week one, we talked about First Peter chapter one, that Peter gives theology. He, he shows us how to study God. And he says that you can carry pain because you have a living hope. But then week two, we kind of go from our beliefs into our behavior. You don't start with your behavior. You start with your be- belief. Right living comes from right believing. And so he calls us to a life of holiness, to be set apart, to be counterculture. But quickly, we have to give ourselves some grace because why? Because you are being built. We all have weaknesses, we all have a mess, but I am being built into a spiritual house. So relax, exhale, give yourself some grace. But then he says, hey, I wanna make sure that you understand that, that a good church, a healthy church, is built upon a healthy home. And so that's why last week we talked about families and we talked about men and women and marriage and, and doing life and what that looks like and how we endure and how we move forward. But now he's, he's coming to this idea that he wants to prescribe and he says, finally, all of you. Who is all of you? Remember, this letter is written to the church. It's written to churches scattered across really an, an area known as Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. And really, they are under the control of the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire is growing. It's a worldwide power. It's massive. But with that, all of this pressure is coming. There's division in the streets, so many different cultures, so many different ideologies, so many different philosophies, and all of this division is starting to creep into this remnant known as the church. And so Peter's like, no, endure, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, don't let the problems out there become the problems in here. Does it sound a little familiar in 2020? Don't let all of the discussion out there become all the discussion in here. Don't let the problems out there become the problems in here. This is a letter to believers. This is a letter to churches. So I'm speaking to the church. So he says, finally, all of you. Who's all of you? It's the church. It's believers. I'm preaching to believers today. Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate and humble. So what Peter is going to do here is Peter is going to focus in on an area of a muscle that you have to strengthen in order to face suffering. It's some of those muscles that we don't always pay attention to that matter the most. It's some of those muscles that we don't always focus on that matter the most. Um, I'm finally at a place in my life that I can honestly tell you that I value physical fitness. Taking me some time, but I can honestly come to our church right now and tell you that I honestly value physical fitness. For the last three years now, I have really made going to the gym not just a thing that I do, but it's, it's actually part of my lifestyle. I, I have a value, but I've got a system attached to it. How many know you can value something, but just because you say you value it doesn't mean that you actually value it. It's not until you apply it. It's not until you attach accountability and a system that says, you know what, now we actually value this thing. So it's taken me a long time. I can tell you that I value working out. I'm still not comfortable telling you that I value leg day. Just if I I can be honest, if I can still just be a pastor who has weaknesses, I despise leg day. 
In fact, I would say three years ago before I ever started going to the gym consistently, my entire motto was all chest, no legs. But I've had to discover on this journey of pain and endurance that working out my legs is mission critical if I wanna strengthen my entire body. See, what people don't understand, a lot of dudes in Miami right now who don't understand, (laughs) so often we just wanna focus on the appearance, on the exterior. So often we just wanna focus on getting our biceps strong. So often we just wanna get that beach body. You ever see that beach body dude with like all all chest, but it's just like his legs can barely hold him up, you know? It's like, that's him, you know? Hey, hey, how are you? How are you? (laughs) Happy spring break. But you've gotta actually commit to working out your legs. And what people don't understand is that the legs have the biggest muscles in the body. And so something happens when you're working out legs. It feels many times, if you're like me, if you don't like it, it feels like it's not helpful. But what I've learned is, is that actually working out your legs is necessary, but unpleasant. This is an important truth, that there's things in your life that are necessary, but they're unpleasant. Working out my legs is necessary, but it's unpleasant. Why is it necessary? Because it's the largest muscles in your body. And there's no way that you could ever dream about having strong arms if you don't actually work out your legs. See, what you learn is it's this thing called unintended consequences, that what I do today creates consequences for tomorrow. And what I found out when I first started going to the gym was like, yo, bro, I just want a big chest, or bro, I want my biceps, I wanna look good, you know? My trainer started to tell me, no, Rich, you're gonna have to work out your legs because it fits into your core. And what happens when you work out your legs is that it produces testosterone. In fact, it releases growth hormone. So that when I work out my legs on Tuesday, I don't know it, but when I get to my biceps on Thursday, my biceps are reaping the benefit of what I did to my legs on Tuesday. It's, it's necessary, but it's, it's unpleasant. It has an unintended consequence. It's sort of a good picture of what church looks like, by the way. Because, because church, I was gonna call this message leg day, but I just didn't think it would hit very hard on YouTube. Church is kind of like leg day because you just have to understand that being a part of church and going to church has this thing at times called unintended consequences. You might be here today lifting your hands or plugging into the Zoom or going to the movie theater. It's like, ah, is this really worth it? Is this really up to something? But what you don't understand is that as you work it out today on Sunday, you're building your your faith for the fight on Tuesday. You don't know what type of fight you gotta face on Tuesday. You don't know what your boss is gonna come and say on Friday. But thank God you've been putting in some work on the interior life that when you need to fight, you got some strength. It's developing some other muscles. It's producing something different. When suffering hits my life, I hope I have been putting in to my interior life. In so many ways, this is what Peter is saying. Peter is about to tell us practically how we should respond. He's gonna give a prescription how we should respond to day-by-day suffering for being a believer. But before he does it, it's like he's putting you in leg day. And you're gonna miss it. We're gonna go right by it. But it's like, is that really that big of a deal? Is that really that important? Is that really something I should be focused on? Yeah, he's gonna teach you, you're gonna have to flex. You're gonna have to get stronger. But in order 
to use all those other muscles to face suffering, you're gonna actually have to put in and focus on the body and focus on your legs and understand it. it's, it's leg day. It's gonna have some unintended consequences. And his big leg day workout routine for you is this little phrase, live in harmony. Live in harmony. Live in harmony with who? He's talking to the church. So, so, so he's letting you know, you're gonna face pressure to the body. What is the body? The body is the church of Jesus Christ. So he's, he's, gonna, he's gonna talk to the body. You're gonna face pressure. You're gonna face storms. You're gonna face suffering. But please understand, leg day, well, it's focusing on an area that you don't always focus on that seems unpleasant. And the best way to say it is live in harmony. Live in harmony with each other. Harmony is an interesting concept because harmony, we know that term in, in music. And the way you get harmony is that you need multiple singers and someone sings the melody and then other people come alongside the melody and they sing other notes that complement the melody. It's, it's called harmony. You need more than one person for harmony to really be effective. I hope you can see some of this stuff today because if you're gonna face suffering, you're gonna need some people around you. But our church needs to walk in harmony, the body of Christ at large in a year and in a season that is so polarizing and so divided. I'm pleading with us, let us walk in harmony. Because you get multiple people singing, but this is how music works, right? Music is everybody playing their part to create something bigger, something better. So you get all of a sudden a piano player who hits three notes and it's called a chord and it's the three notes together. And then you get a drummer who starts to put down some rhythm and then you get some singers that come along and they start to sing the melody and some others start to sing the harmony. And before you know it, it is this beautiful moment and it's called a song and it's called music. But it's a lot of other parts coming together in, in harmony. It's a picture of what it looks like in our faith to walk with one another. Here's what's fascinating. What's fascinating is imagine today we were singing one of these slow songs and imagine uh, the drummer, my man over there. What's up, brother? Imagine he just gets really inspired. He's like, I don't like this song. He's like, you know what? The church needs a little ACDC today. Or he goes into, some, he goes into a Def Leppard drum solo. I don't know. He just goes off George of the Jungle style, okay? Like he's just crushing it. How many of you know that all of our eyes would be drawn to the drummer? But how many know that all of our eyes would be drawn to the drummer for all the wrong reasons? I wonder today if people's eyes are drawn to us for all the wrong reasons. Focus on me, listen to what I have to say. I don't wanna walk in harmony. Here's what's, something that's always been perplexing to me is that in my life, um, I'm not the most musical. I, I, I can't really carry a tune. I, don't I definitely can't keep rhythm. Manushka is working with me. It's like a discipleship course that we're doing together. It's weird. It's like, all right, clap. It's, but it's, pray for me. What's amazing is that I, I can't always hold a note, but how many know when I walk into a room, if somebody's singing off key, I can instantly hear it. And the majority of you can as well. Why? Because you don't have to actually have good pitch in order to notice that the room is off key. Just like the church can say we're walking in harmony, but a non-believer can look at what we're saying and instantly tell, nah, they're not singing on key over there. 
I wonder today, as the world looks upon the church that's facing pressure, as the world looks upon VU Church, I wonder if they step back and say, y'all, you guys are saying one thing, but you're doing another. I'm not even a part of that body, but I can tell that you don't know music, you don't know harmony, you are off key. I wrote it down this way. We don't tune the church to the world, we tune the world to the church. The body of Christ is supposed to be the example. The church is supposed to be leading the way of how you disagree and you don't disrespect. The church is to be leading the way with gentleness and with respect and with grace. But instead, many times it seems like we're getting our cues from the world instead of giving the world the tune that we are singing. And Peter, he does this so masterfully, right? He just, he's just in it. And he just so beautifully, he's like, you wanna know what living in harmony looks like? He's like, it looks like being sympathetic. You, got, you gotta be sympathetic with one another. That, that's what living in harmony is, sympathetic with one another. Sympathetic, really, that, 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 that's a key word because I know this is the year that we talk about empathy and empathy is vital and powerful, but how many know in order to get to empathy, you gotta first go through sympathy. And sympathy is a feeling. And I know like most of the time you hear me preach, it's like, yo, don't make decisions by your feelings. Don't live by emotion, live by devotion. I believe all of that, but I wanna be really careful that we understand feelings matter. I don't think God created you with all those emotions if none of those emotions matter. I don't wanna be led by my emotions, but I wanna pay attention to my emotions. You see, I'm telling you right now, what happens is this, is that emotions turn an interaction into a connection. Like, I, I love my iPhone wherever it's at, and me and Siri, you know, I talk to Siri a lot. What's up, Siri? You know, what restaurants are open right now? What's up, Siri? Is there still a curfew in Miami? Yo, what's up, Siri? Give me the weather report today. But how many know, Siri, um, like, I have use of Siri, but Siri and I do not have a relationship. Siri is a machine. <laughs> it's transactional. She's serving me based upon what I ask her to do. She can't think. She doesn't have feelings. It's our emotions that separate us. It's our feelings that make us unique and make us human beings. And friends, to live in harmony means we laugh together. To live in harmony means, guess what? We cry together. To live in harmony means we celebrate together. Living in harmony means we grieve together. I have sympathy for my brother and sister. But I like it, Peter's like, you wanna know what harmony is? It's loving as brothers. Isn't that interesting that he chooses that phrase to love as brothers? Does Peter not prefer the women? Does Peter not like the girls? No, no, I think he's actually using this on very on purpose because I am one of four. I have three brothers. And yo, I know something about brotherly love and all types of love is different. That's why the Greeks, they have four different terms for love. We just know love. I love my pizza and I love my wife. It's like, which kind of love is that, you know? Greeks have agape and storge and phileo and eros love, all these different types of love. But brotherly love is this phileo type of love. It's a, it's a deep friendship. And I think this is really, really important because when it comes to my brothers and I, how many, my brothers and I, we can fight. In fact, when I was younger, it, it got physical. Like we would lay hands on each other and it wasn't the ministry, if you know what I'm talking about. We, we would fight, we'd get into it. And you might even hear me 
privately say something about my brother at my house. Yo, my brother, he's wearing me out. That's one thing. I can say that. He's my brother. But if you think for one second you can be in my presence and utter a negative word about my brother, you got something else coming. Because it's my brother and I will stand in the gap. I wonder with the body of Christ, do we not understand that we disagree privately, but we honor and celebrate publicly? It's called brotherly love. You can't talk about my fellow man like that. I'm not gonna let this go down like that. You can't just say whatever you want. That's my brother, that's my sister, and we're walking in harmony. He says, you wanna know what harmony is? It's, it's being compassionate and humble. I like it because he, he takes the word there. He, he doesn't leave it out. Sympathy is a feeling. Compassion is an action. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus loved you so much that he came to you. There was an action attached to it that I actually am a person of compassion. It's not enough just for us to feel bad for one another. We actually have to do what we can for one another. Everybody wants to change the whole world, but nobody wants to start in their own backyard. Who can you be compassionate towards today? How can you walk in harmony? And he says, you gotta be humble. You gotta be humble, man. He's telling you right now that this matters. Humility is the key ingredient to a community. It's a preferring of other people. It's a, you're saying, but Rich, I thought you were talking to me about how to suffer well. I am. I'm letting you know that when pressure hits the outside of our body, there's gotta be something that we're already doing on the inside, that I'm already walking with brothers and sisters in the Lord, that I'm walking in harmony, that I'm being sympathetic, that I'm feeling what they feel, that I'm loving as brothers. Hey, you can say, don't you dare say something about my brother. Don't you dare say something about, I'm being compassionate and I'm being humble. Why? Because this is leg day. And I know it doesn't look like much right now, but I'm telling you, it's gonna have a consequence tomorrow. Listen to me, when the church is in harmony, the world is drawn to our melody. When the church is in harmony, the world is drawn to our melody. Is anybody even listening? Is anybody drawn at all to the song that we're singing? It's about us doing the thing in private. It's about us building on Jesus, a firm fountain. The storm will come. The suffering is gonna happen. It's unavoidable, but to endure is achievable. But I gotta know what he's laying down right here. He said, all right, this is leg day. This is to live in harmony. You gotta get this because you're gonna need some other muscles if you're gonna respond correctly to suffering. I, I wanna show you quickly how to suffer well. Number one, Peter would say, if you wanna suffer well, you have to be a blessing. Everyone say, be a blessing. First Peter chapter three, verse nine, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Wow. Let me just tell you something right now. Our knee-jerk reaction when someone harms us or does something wrong to us is that we want to repay evil with evil. It's just called being a human being. It's, it's natural. But remember, week one was all about our study of God and who God is. 
And until I see God correctly, I'm not gonna see others correctly. Until I see God correctly, I'm not gonna see myself correctly. And everything about following God goes against our flesh and goes against the world. And what Peter said is like, yo, you really wanna know how to handle suffering? You wanna respond to it the right way when people are saying something about you or doing something to you, or maybe you're going through something right now that you don't understand? First thing, be a blessing. Look for an opportunity to be a miracle for someone else. Look for a chance to actually bless someone else. You wanna get blessings? You gotta give blessings. You know, it's Peter, or it's Paul who said in Romans chapter 12, do not overcome evil with evil, but overcome evil with good. Hey, you wanna, you wanna take the knife out of your back and you wanna really put it to work? You, you really wanna get back at people who have said wrong things about you? You, you? you really wanna show the doubters what's really happening in your life? You really wanna get revenge? Okay, do it God's way. Do it the righteous way. It's called forgiveness. That you would choose to forgive. There's so many of us right now that you're suffering relationally because you have unforgiveness in your heart. Someone said something about you, someone did something to you, and now there's resentment. And it reminds me of that old quote, that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Let me put it a new way for you. Unforgiveness is putting the innocent party into prison. And many of us right now, we're in a prison we think we're getting someone back. We think that we're really showing them. No, it's you're suffering even more. We, we think that it's gonna bring us peace. We think it's gonna bring us happiness to really tell them how we feel. It, it doesn't. When you forgive, when you release, it opens up your heart. When you start to be a blessing, guess what? Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. That when I give blessings, I'm also inheriting a blessing. Don't let the ugly in others kill the beauty in you. You're, you're counterculture. Be a blessing. But number two, stay clean. Everyone say, stay clean. First Peter chapter three, verse 10. We're just walking to the text. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. Ooh, that's good. Let me just tell you something right now. Many of us, we continue to suffer because we don't have control of our mouth. You either control your mouth or your mouth is gonna control you. And what Peter is saying, he's like, yo, look, you, you, gotta, you gotta stay clean. You, you, you gotta watch what you're saying. You gotta, you gotta actually check yourself out. You don't wanna look like the rest of the world. You wanna be different from the world. So you first wanna say, how can I be a blessing? When I give blessings, I get blessings, but I wanna stay clean in all of this. You know, we live in a funny time right now where because of the internet, people can say whatever they want, whenever they want. And, you know, I'm not gonna lie, like sometimes people start writing comments on my Instagram and I wish I could say that I just never, <clears throat> I never pay attention to any of it and I uh, just rise above it, and I walk over the comments like Jesus walked on water. I just, I wish, I wish that was my testimony always, but, but it's not. But I can't tell you how many different times someone has come and just thrown daggers at me and said something negative that hurt my feelings, and then I got ready to go and write something back on their wall or comment back. But before I did, I would click on their profile, 
And just by clicking on their profile, how many of you know that before you know it, you get more than just a snapshot of who they are, you start to get a bigger story. And so many times what you'll discover is that people that are saying something negative to you or hurtful towards you or causing pain to you, it's because they're hurt. Because hurt people hurt people. And literally Peter's like, yo, whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. What a time. This has never been more practical for all of us in America in 2020. It's so easy to let people know what you think or how you feel, to say something negative about someone, to gossip about someone. But he's saying, stay clean. Stay clean. In fact, he says, seek peace, pursue it. I wonder, are you seeking peace? Jesus, what did he say? He said, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called sons of God. He doesn't say blessed are the peacekeepers. There's a difference between making peace and keeping peace. I think most of us are like, I'm down to keep some peace. No, 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 you're called to go a step further. You're called to stay clean. You're called to make peace, to go to people, to bridge the gap, to stand in the hallway and say, let's make peace. I'm, I'm a son of God. I, I was thinking just about this idea of staying clean. And it's like, you know, this, this cup of water. I just believe right now, as you're suffering, we're so tempted when we're suffering to let our mouth go. Maybe you got sickness in your body right now, and it's just like, I'm so tempted just to like be angry at God, be mad at God. But, but just think about this cup. And just for a moment, just imagine that this cup represents you. I believe that God didn't just create you so that you could exist on this earth. I believe that God created you that you might bring him glory by being useful to his kingdom work. God wants to use you. He wants to use you over there at Silver Spot Theater and he wants to use you at Zoom and he wants to use you on Facebook. He wants to use you on YouTube. God wants to use you. And really God isn't looking for a whole lot. What is God looking? God wants to pour into you. He wants to fill you up in order to spill you out. And the only thing that God really needs in order to fill you up and spill you out is he just needs a vessel. He just needs a vessel that's empty. Empty of what? Empty of bitterness, empty of resentment, empty of my flesh, empty of my sin. But it's gotta be clean. And clean is, I, I fight different. I let God do the fighting. I'm not trying to prove myself. I'm not trying to make myself great. I'm trying to honor God. And if God can find a cup that's clean and empty, God will continue to fill it up in order to spill it out. Come on, if you believe it, somebody give God some praise all over this place. Somebody give God some praise. Worship team, help me out a little bit. N number three, how to respond to suffering. Remember the Lord is watching. First Peter chapter three, we're just walking through the text. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. I think when you're going through suffering, it's really, really important that you just remember the Lord's watching. The Lord's watching. The Lord, the Lord sees all. The Lord's got a different vantage point than what I have. He sees it. He sees it. And his eyes, they stay on the righteous. God, I'm gonna honor you. God, I don't understand what's going on right now. This is hurting. I feel like my roof's caving in. I feel like my bed's breaking. I feel like the power's out. But God, I know you're watching. 
and his ears are attentive to their prayer. He hears you. How comforting is that when you're suffering that God actually hears you? But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. You know, it's interesting. These last three verses that we just saw, verse 10, 11, and 12, Peter is actually drafting. he's, He's stealing some bars from King David. And this is an excerpt right from Psalm 34, actually. In Psalm 34, David writes this beautiful poem, this beautiful song unto God. But we know that Psalm 34 connects to 1 Samuel chapter 21. And 1 Samuel chapter 21 is the story of David on the run from King Saul. King Saul, the king of Israel, wants to kill David. Why? Did David do something wrong? No, David didn't do anything wrong. Saul was jealous of him. David was going from cave to cave, place to place. You want to talk about suffering? I mean, literally Saul had the entire Israelite army and he was trying to kill David. And David writes Psalm 34 from this moment where he he goes to the priest, priest Elimelech, and he goes there and he has to pretend. He's like, yo, um, I I, I need some food. I need some shelter. And, And Elimelech doesn't know he's running from Saul. He thinks he's with Saul. And so Elimelech gives him some bread and Elimelech gives him the, the sword that that, that Goliath used to carry and David went out with some sustenance and he went out with some protection and as he went into Gath in enemy territory, some men recognized, that's David. That, that, that's David right there. And, and David was so afraid and so scared of for his life. He's got, he's got his mentor, the king of Israel, trying to come after him. He's got an enemy army in front of him and that's David, that's David. And the story says in 1 Samuel 21 that David behaved like he was crazy. He pretended to be insane. He, he acted like he lost his mind. This is the point that David finds himself. This is where David is at. He's got pressure. He's got suffering. He's afraid. And it's from that place that he says, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are attentive to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. David didn't just write about it. He was about it. David had a moment where he could have put a sword or a spear through Saul, but instead of killing Saul, he said, do not touch the Lord's anointed. What was David saying? David was saying, you know what? I didn't appoint Saul. I didn't anoint Saul. God did. So if God wants him out of power, God will take him out of power. It's not up to me. I'm gonna run my course. I'm gonna run my race. And I'm gonna recognize that God sees me and he hears me. From his deepest moment of suffering, to the point that he was behaving like he was insane. He still has enough fortitude. He's still able to achieve. He's still able to get through and endure. And he says, the Lord's watching. Watch your tongue, stay clean. The Lord's watching. The other day I was in my house and my son Wyatt, he's two years old. He's fully two years old, if you know what I mean. Jerry Devento knows what I mean. Banushka has no idea what I mean. Omar knows what I mean. Zach knows what I mean. But my son, Wyatt, he's just got some behavior stuff. You know, at two years old, just loses his mind every once in a while. And the other day I was in the house and my wife pulled up in our awesome Honda Odyssey minivan. You don't know about your pastor. Living large out here, brah. Pulls up in the minivan. I'm in my house and I can hear my wife in the driveway. I mean, this is through a door and I can hear the sliding door of the minivan open. Then I can hear Wyatt just screaming, ah, no mom, no mom. And I'm in my house and I keep hearing him just go crazy. I'm like, what is this kid doing? I'm over it. Finally, I get up from my chair and I open up the front door and I'm not even off the doorstep yet, but I can see Wyatt in the minivan. And as soon as he catches my eye, he stops. He changes his behavior. 
He goes, I'm sorry, Dad. I'm sorry, Dad. I'm sorry, Dad. Sorry, Mom. Sorry, Mom. Sorry, Mom. Hee, hee. This is, he hits his happy button. He goes, hee, hee. <laughs> what shifted? What shifted is that he had, a, he had the knowledge that his father was watching him. See, Wyatt's just a little baby. He can't get much past me at this point. Of course, I see the bad that he does, but how many also know I see the good that he does? I want you to know when you respond correctly to suffering, God sees, God blesses. Remember the Lord's watching. Peter would go on and say, do not fear. Everyone say, do not fear. First Peter chapter three, verse 13, who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Let that be an encouragement to some people. Who's gonna harm you if you're eager to do good? Meaning, if my intention is to do good, most likely I'm gonna be okay. But even if you're not, you're gonna be blessed. Not in this life, I'm talking about heaven ever after. And then he quotes Isaiah, do not fear what they fear. Someone should put that in the chat right now. Someone ought to get that in their spirit right now. Don't fear what they fear. Who's they? What the world fears. Do not be frightened. We got a church walking around afraid of the same things the world's afraid about. Newsflash, Jesus Christ conquered death, hell, and the grave. You don't have to fear 2020. You don't have to fear a pandemic. You don't have to fear suffering. You can rest assured that even if you face it, you can endure. This is not a message to create fear. This is a message to build your faith. Life is more than 80 years on this earth. Life is more than one presidential election. Life is more than just one moment. It, it's actually eternal. And we can walk through it and because of Jesus. We don't have to fear. Do not fear what they fear. I feel like I gotta preach on that next week. Do not fear what they fear. I wonder, am I afraid of everything else the world's afraid of? Something's wrong there. Something's wrong there. I don't want my fear to be their fear. I want, I want my fear to be God. I want to be used. God, I want to give it my all. God, I want my neighbor to know you. God, I don't want the rhetoric of the day to be a distraction for the song that the church is singing. Do not fear. And lastly, how to respond to suffering. Be prepared. Everyone say, be prepared. be prepared. But in your hearts, this is verse 15, set apart Christ as Lord. I, I just, you don't just say it, you do it in your heart. Can you just put your hand over your heart right now? In your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Christ is Lord. Jesus is King. He sits above all of it. Always be prepared. Someone say, be prepared. To give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Peter says, be prepared. Be prepared to give an answer for everyone who asked you for the reason why you have hope. 
How are you responding this way? How are you continuing to be a blessing even though you're suffering? How are you keeping it clean when everybody else is playing dirty? How do you remember the Lord is watching even when you can't see him? How is it that you're operating not in fear, but you're operating in faith? You need to be prepared. And yes, of course, as you study the Greek of this, this is where we get the word apologetics. And there is no doubt that we need to learn about our faith. You need to discover your doctrine. You need to have a good answer. You need to actually learn these things. But friends, please don't miss the big idea. And the big idea is, is that nobody has ever been argued into the kingdom of God. You know who you don't want to watch the sunrise with? A meteorologist. Oh, wow, it's gorgeous. Let me explain to you exactly what's happening right now. It's all science. No, no, it's a mystery to me, man. It's beautiful to me, man. So when I read this and it says, be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have, what I understand is that God who has a bigger vantage point and God who's telling a bigger story and God who says all things work together for good for those that love and trust him. I understand that every time I go through a season of suffering, suffering is creating a stage. Suffering is developing and building a stage, a stage for God to get glory, a stage for God to show up, a stage for God to show off, but a stage for you to stand on and give a reason as to why you have hope in him. So I wanna go through this season that I'm in where I feel like I'm suffering, that I'm sensing I'm suffering, that things are breaking, ceilings are caving in, and I can't avoid it, but I know I can achieve endurance. And I wanna recognize, no, 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 God's building a stage and I need to be prepared because at some point I'm gonna have to give a testimony as to why I hope in him. I'm gonna have to have a reason. And I don't know about you, but if I can just be honest today, my reason is not an argument. And my reason is not because life is easy. In fact, most of my reason as to why I have this hope is not because of the absence of suffering, but instead because of the presence of a savior. Why do I have a hope? Because every time I found myself in, this, in these deep waters, every time I found myself in this deep pain, a savior has shown up and he has walked beside me. I could take you down memory lane right now. And most of the reasons why I believe in God is not because I didn't face suffering. Most of the reasons why I believe in God is because God was with me in the suffering. And the suffering develops and creates a stage and the stage is not for your glory. The stage is for his glory. And so I live my life being prepared with a reason. I have a reason. His name is Jesus. He's never left me. He's never forsaken me. He's walked with me. He's carried me through. And today I plead with you, it is not what you are going through that matters most. It is who you are going to. His name is Jesus Christ. And he is a firm foundation. And you can rest assured, if you build your life on him, he works. Come on, if you believe today, why don't you jump up on your feet? Why don't you lift holy hands towards heaven? Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with friends. It helps so much. For more content from VU and to connect with us, go to vuchurch.com. We love you. The best is yet to come.